Welcome to episode 155 of The Space In Between. I am your host, Phoebe Leona, and today I thought I would love to share with you another amazing interview from our Embodied Leadership Archives. So we hosted a summit earlier this spring where we brought together over 30 embodied leaders and interviewed them and learned about what they were envisioning, what leadership would look like in this new paradigm. And so last week, as we brought back the space in between, I introduced you to Stephanie James, who I'm also co-hosting a retreat with in Sayulita, Mexico in February. And today I'm introducing you to Kim Romaine, who is also going to be a co-retreat leader with me, but in another location in Mexico, just an hour or two outside of Mexico City, where the monarch butterflies migrate that very time of year. We're very excited because what we wanted to do was, during this retreat, really truly embody transformation. So in using the monarchs as our our spirit animal, if you will, and inspire us to go into our own inner cocoon and really look at the old. What are we no longer going to take with us as we step into our own new paradigm as leaders, as the leaders of our world, but leaders of our life? And do while doing this, sit in hot mineral springs, waterfalls, Temescal ceremony, move your body, dive deep with community. And I thought that it would be beautiful to share Kim with you today in this. Uh, I love this interview so much. Uh, we talk a bit about the paradigm shift that is happening between kind of the wounded masculine and feminine and and bringing it back into really empowering ourselves whether you identify as a man or a woman right how to really empower both within yourself as we move into this new paradigm uh how do we reclaim words that's another conversation we had in this in this interview we also talked specifically around this idea of saying i'm sorry when it's necessary when it's time to take a pause We have so many other conversations that go, but I'm really excited to meet Kim in person in Mexico, and hopefully you can join us too. So at the end of this interview, I'll share a little bit more about how you could join us in Mexico this March. So right now, if you do enjoy this interview, I invite you to share it with someone. Uh, subscribe to our podcast and review us so that you can help us spread the word. All right, let's go ahead and meet Kim. Kim, I'm so happy you're here. Thank you. Oh my goodness. I'm so happy for being here. I think we've, we've probably had some one-on-one time, a handful of times, and we've been in a couple of different groups a couple of times, but like every time I sit with you, I'm just so happy. <laughs> it's mutual. It's mutual. Yeah. yeah. So I definitely, I have some questions because I, I was doing a little bit of my homework before and I, you planted some seeds that I'm going to plant, replant them here, water them a little bit. Cause I definitely want to know like you being the unicorn fairy godmother mm-hmm. and the magic that you bring. I definitely feel that's probably why I feel so connected to you. Cause I'm an alchemist as well. Mm-hmm. So I'd love to talk about that, but in your own words, before we dive into it, who are you, however you want to interpret that, and what um, what are you offering the world these days? Hmm. Um, I love the question and the, that there's an openness to who am I, because that question tends to be answered with what do I do? Mm-hmm. And so who I am is I am somebody who is who shows up in the world um, in service of love in service of magic and transformation and connection. And how that shows up in what I do is I am, and I hate using this word, but I don't have a different one right now. I'm passionate about humanity. And I focus um, everything through a humanistic lens. And I've created my own business coming from being in 
the nonprofit and legal sectors. Um, I've created my own business that works with socially conscious entrepreneurs who are really creating deep change in this world. Um, because the way that we're doing it and the way that we've been doing it isn't actually serving the human good. Mm-hmm. So, um, but that all comes from that place of love and magic transformation and connection. And that's who I am. Mm, I love that. Um, I am very curious cause I'm very much about, I don't know if it's reclaiming, but it's reclaiming it's, it's digging in deeper into words. And so there was a little resistance for you to say passionate. So I'm curious to know why. <laughs> mm, I think because it is. When we say we're passionate about something, it it's um, it's kind of a placeholder. It's a placeholder for us to open ourselves up to the depths of the feeling. So we feel passionate about a lot of things in our lives, and yet very rarely do we do anything about that passion. We might step into it, we might dabble into it, we might even start a business or take a job that's related to that passion or create a hobby around it. But when we're, to me, to be truly passionate means to embody that thing. That thing is part of us. So when I say that I am focused on human beings, on the humanistic lens of life, I mean the most important thing ever in my life are human beings, the human beings that are closest to me and the human beings that I have nothing in common with the human experience is the most important thing to me. And so passion doesn't seem to do that justice anymore because it's been, in my opinion, watered down a lot. I love that. Thank you. Because that went in a whole different direction, honestly, than I thought we were going to go in. But I love that. Absolutely. Because when I, when I looked up this word passion, um, well, it goes back to I just interviewed Brianna, who's the CEO of Veterans Yoga Project, and they turned me on when I did their training to the word compassion is to sit in the suffering with somebody. And I was like, wait, hold on. Passion means suffering. And then I thought, oh, the passion of the Christ. Yes, the suffering. So I thought we were going to go in that direction. But in a way we did, because you were saying to sit in and embody all of ourselves, right? And that can be a sense of suffering to a certain extent, right? For sure. For sure. Um, and it, it is interesting because words themselves, you know, we, we courage, you know, Brené Brown brought forth this, this idea of what courage tr- truly is. It's about our heart. When we get into the heart of the words that we use every day, um, we find that so many of them are, 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 they're colloquialisms, right? They're just, they're, they're just words we use but we don't use them with the intent that that word was initially created from. And again, like words are just creations that they, we can create whatever words we want to describe what, what we're feeling. And for that shared communication, right. For connection, we have to have some sort of shared language. And so for me, I love to play in that space of what does a word actually mean, Mm -hmm. but what does it mean to you? And what does it mean to me? And what new meaning can we come together with it? Oh my gosh. This is why I love you so much. (laughs) (laughs) Cause this is where I love to sit too, is to look with the words and, and especially with this topic of leadership and embodied leadership, this is so important because what you just said, like we tend to just use these words and not really like have the deep understanding of what's behind it. Yeah. Can you speak into that a little bit more in terms of the power of these words and the leadership and and how you help people. Oh, I just got all sorts of things come flooding forward. Um, yeah. So I think about, um, Kim Scott's book. Um, wow. I just lost the name. Like I've blocked it so much. Uh, Oh, uh, radical candor. Okay. So candor is actually a beautiful thing. It allows us to be deeply honest with kindness in support of creating change or transformation, right? Mm -hmm. So, so we are being on it somewhat brutally honest, but I don't mean brutal in terms of painful, Mm -hmm. but raw, right? Honesty with rawness. And that is something that is lacking in our society. Mm -hmm. And when Kim Scott came out with this book, 
people took it as a, it was a rallying cry to being jerks to each other, right? They're like, I am going to just be radically candid with you and tell you how much you suck and how bad you are and these horrible things. And so candor in and of itself is a word that's misunderstood in leadership. And yet people are talking all the time about, well, you need to be candid as a leader. You need to talk to your team and, and support your team with a candid and transparent communication. What do those words even mean? Mm. Right. Show up with empathy, show up with compassion, show up as, um, show up as a leader with kindness. Well, if you don't know what those words mean, how do you embody them? Mm -hmm. Yeah. How do you embody them? And this is what you do. Yep. Yep. Yeah. This is what you do. We're right here in your, like, like I see a cauldron. (laughs) (laughs) This is my magic space. (laughs) Your magic space. We're putting in the spices of all of this. So can you speak into a little bit of what you're doing? And well, actually, before we go into where you're doing now, a little bit of where you came from, because I also know that a lot of what you speak into in the circles that I've been with you about specifically you being the only woman in the path that you took and the voice, your voice and how it was received with your word, the power of your word. Yeah, absolutely. So um, I have had three main careers before I became a full-time entrepreneur. My first career was in the entertainment industry. And in my role in the entertainment industry, I was um, a stage manager, producer, director. Um, those roles at that time were not, um, there weren't a lot of women doing those roles. And so stepping into that and creating space for other women to be in that type of leadership, uh, particularly in live theater, um, was something that, and and young, being young and doing it, um, was something that was not seen. So um, myself and a dear friend of mine, Sherry, we created some uh, pathways for other women to step in um, behind us in that world. Mm-hmm. I went from there into um, the practice of law and um, being an attorney, uh, being a, a female identifying attorney. Um, there are lots of women attorneys in the world, lots. And the thing that um, got to me is that we needed to we needed to turn ourselves inside out to fit within the system, within the structures, within the process of practicing law. We had to turn ourselves inside out and become very masculine in everything that we do, in the way we showed up. Yet there were, when I was practicing, there were judges and other attorneys that if you showed up as a woman um, in however you defined that, you were shunned because you were a woman. So I had a judge that I showed up, I had a beautiful pantsuit on and I showed up in the courtroom and the judge said, you will not show up in in front of me again in a pantsuit. You are a woman attorney. You will wear a skirt or a dress. Wow. So for me to be able to do my job and to represent my clients who, by the way, were mostly indigent and people who needed my support, Mm -hmm. um, I had to show up in his vision of what a woman attorney would look like. Because otherwise I wasn't in decorum. Um, beyond the systems, other systems that were very broken um, for for anybody who is not uh, mainstream, it was very hard to practice. I know lots of wonderful people who still are. It was not for me. So I left that and I went into the nonprofit sector. Um, lots of women in the nonprofit sector. And it was in the leadership role, still very challenging to do what I needed to do without taking on a lot of masculine qualities um, to push things through. And I was never comfortable leading from that space. Um, It never felt authentic to me. Um, People said that I led with red energy, which, you know, powerful, right? This very dogmatic energy. And that's not me. Um, and to to know that that's how people perceived me was always so disheartening. 
Um, but I, I, like I had to put that on, I felt like I had to put that on. I didn't feel like I had a choice at that time. Yeah. Did that answer the question? Yeah, it did. It okay. did. It opened up more questions because I love where you just landed of these three different worlds, but in, in a sense, it felt like, I mean, the first one, it feels like with the, the stage management and, and being there, you were able to pave some sort of way. And it felt like you were able to leave it in a way that felt good for you. But these other two, it feels like you lost yourself in a sense. Yes. And what you were speaking into a lot of was the the masculine and, and the loss of your own feminine or hiding it from yourself and from others. And I feel like this is a conversation that anybody can relate to, whether they identify as a female or male or non-binary, because the systems that we primarily, I mean, I came from a dance background, which is all women. I mean, I go to an audition and I, I was in a room with like hundreds of women getting one job, but usually at the front of the table, it was you know, some women, but also men primarily. So even though it was like a female um, heavy, you know, business, we still had this very much a patriarchy kind of system. Yeah. And so I feel this is definitely a conversation we can have because we're talking about a paradigm shift in leadership. And I would love to know kind of what you've learned from this of, it sounds like you've reclaimed it. I know who you are now, and I don't see any of those aspects of what you just spoke into. So I'd love to know a little bit more of like your transformation and how you are helping other people and kind of where we were going. That's a big question. So break it up in however many parts you want to do. Fantastic. Yeah. So, and, and thank you for, for um, speaking into what I was saying with around masculine, I was not meaning male. I was yeah, definitely meaning, I meaning that. that masculine energy. Yeah. yeah. So um, for me, reclaiming it has been, has been a journey and it's a journey that I'm still on. Um, I'm going to go a little magic-y woo-woo right now is um, one of the things that I've learned about myself over the last 10-ish years is that um according to several different people who have read my past lives, this is only my second feminine past, fem, my fem, feminine life hmm. is that most of my lives have been masculine. And mm-hmm. so leading with masculine energy, while it is very, um, it feels very easy to access for me. Um, ha- being in a, in a female identifying body and, and showing up in my feminine energy is what I feel that it is my calling really mm-hmm. in this lifetime. Part of that transformation, part of that magic comes from embodying that for myself. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's been scary. It's been really scary um, because my worth, my value, my um, how, how intelligent I feel I am was all tied up in my masculine energy. And for me to be able to say, it's okay, that still exists. And I can embrace this other way of being. Mm-hmm. Like I said, it's still a process and it, it's been, it's been terrifying because it's, um, and part of me feels like, and I don't know if this is part of the past lives thing or not, but part of me feels like there, like there's a death almost yeah. of, um, what, um, what do I need to let go of? What do I need to step away from that no longer serves me so I can fully exist in my identity and who I know myself to be? And um, I, I talk a lot about this with my clients um, as they will show up. They tend to be right the high achieving, high performing, push ourselves, we get shit done, we move things forward. And that's a lot of that masculine driving energy. And Mm -hmm. so they show up, they're exhausted, they're depleted. And yet there's, they can't see there's any other way to move forward. And when we step back and we say, okay, what parts of that are actually serving you? And Mm -hmm. why are you behaving the way that you are? And then opening the door to the possibility of showing up in other ways, that transformation is like, being on this side of it and seeing it for other people mm-hmm. is it's it's beautiful. It's glorious yeah. because there's this awakening of I can still be powerful and I'm actually even more powerful when I fully step into who I am mm-hmm. versus who I feel I am conditioned to be 
to fit in with whatever norms society has put out there. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I feel like what you were just speaking into, I I really see this as happening collectively. I feel that I've been having this conversation in other interviews too of um, the pandemic, I feel like was truly an invitation into this big paradigm shift because we couldn't do the things, like you said, like do the things and be that high powered CEO or whatever it was anymore the way, like we had to shift. We had to change the way that we were showing up for ourselves in our world. And have you seen that dramatically shift also with the work that you're doing? Absolutely. Yeah. The, I, I mean, you're talking about the collective and it is, yeah. it is a collective shift right now. We are, you know, I think we're seeing so much anger and vitriol and fighting on, on all levels. Um, it shows up, you know, in corporations, it, as they're grasping, it shows up in our politics. It shows up just societally as we're walking down the street. Mm -hmm. And I think it's that energetic holding on and Mm -hmm. that, that, right. That fear of what everybody is feeling is this energetic shift and people don't want to let go of it. Um, it's scary to go into the unknown. It's scary to be uncertain. It's scary to have doubt a hundred percent. I get it. I face it every day. And yet I choose, I choose to show up differently and in with the people that I work with and in the circles that I, that I connect with definitely seeing people who are saying, "Mm -mm, I don't want to do those things anymore because that hasn't served me. It hasn't served anybody that looks or shows up in the world like me ever. So why do I want to continue showing up like that? Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I have a big smile on my face because I just wrote, you'll see in a minute, I just wrote a social media post that I'm about to post after your interview around this exactly thing. Like how we're, I kind of phrased it in different language, but it's very much the same. You know, I was looking at it from the sense of our patterning and our nervous system and how we're just so used to the old way. And it's like this very much like we're addicted to the drama and the triggers of those hits of like the politics as you spoke Mm -hmm. into and the, and that vitriol as you like, we're so used to that being the norm and we're actually holding on to it, but it's like, it is, it's a drug. Mm -hmm. And as soon as we let it go and we allow our nervous system to repattern and actually set it to what we call the rest and digest. Mm -hmm. And that is the, where you're speaking into of like the uncertainty, the mystery, but it's actually so much better. So much better. So can I tell a quick story? Yes, please. Okay. So when, um, so 18 months ago, um, my family moved from Chicago to Montreal and, um, it was an opportunity. My husband's company was able to move us up here. And so we took it. Um, I figured it's great. It's fantastic to be on the side of the border right now. Yay. What I didn't expect was the physical detox that I had to go through. Mm-hmm. I, was, I, as much as I know about somatics and, and the body and how everything works with brain chemistry, I, it still took me by surprise mm-hmm. and it was simply not living with the energy that's around us all the time when we're in the United States. Mm-hmm. I, you know, you can't not hear news stories. You can't not hear as, as much as I hadn't watched news or seen anything like that since 2015. And mm-hmm. I still, and during the pandemic, right. I wasn't seeing people. So, but I still felt it because you can't not hear it. You can't not see it. Mm-hmm. even if you keep yourself away from it. And so being physically away from it allowed my body to reset, which also accelerated my stepping fully into who I am and allowing myself as a leader to say, no, this is this is who I am. And you're either going to be okay with that and ride along and maybe learn something yourself, or you're going to step away. And that's okay too. I have place in my heart for both of those. I'm so glad you shared that story. And I got chills. Like when you said who I am, like I could feel you claiming that it's uh, so powerful. And that's my hope for this summit is for more people to step into that place of this is who I am and claiming their ground. 
Absolutely. And not necessarily having to move to Canada or other places to do right. it. Like, to, like well, this is what we're doing right now, right? We're making this conscious choice and changing the collective yes. quietly. Yeah. Like yeah. it's not sensational. It's not on the broadcasting on the news. It's quietly making these shifts. Yeah. My, um, it's not a logo. I never wanted to make it a logo, but my image of myself in my business and what I do and who I am is um, a woman sitting in lotus pose. Um, she's just sitting very comfortably with one hand on her chest and she's holding a flag, a banner in the mm. other hand. So as a leader, I am here. I have the banner. Mm. You can absolutely join me. Come join me. Mm. And yet I don't have to do anything. I don't have to shout from rooftops. I don't have to be out there waving the flag. I don't have to, I don't have to do those things. I can just quietly sit and allow people to see that there are opportunities for themselves and for us to band together. Mm, I love that. Thank you so much for that. Like you're giving people permission to not be the ones that are creating, like having to do the noise. Yeah. There's too much noise in our world. There Way is. too much noise in our world. Yeah. And now I feel like I need to pull in. I So people might just be listening to this. Yeah but some people might watch the video because I want to speak into it. If they're just listening, you have this beautiful post, like, um, mantra essentially behind mm -hmm. you mm -hmm. that says what do epic shit. And I feel like, you know, we need to speak into that a little bit because when you hear do epic shit, that's like, yeah, fiery and like pizzazz. But what you just said seems contrast. Can you speak into that? Absolutely. So if you see, for those that can't see, I'm going to speak into it. So yeah. this, the sign is there surrounded by um, a lot of blues and soft colors and my aromatherapy. Um, my background all has blues and greens in it. I'm wearing blues and greens and black. That is my pop of fire. Because mm -hmm. what happens is when we go too far into one side or the other, right? Two, we know, we, we know, we see it's everywhere. When there's so much fire energy, when it's so strong, it's painful to be near. We get hurt being near it. Mm -hmm. When there's so much water energy, when there's so much femininity and flow, we can get lost and lulled. Mm -hmm. And so having space for having both of them for having the fire of do epic shit. Cause to me, that's what we're doing. We're doing epic shit. Mm -hmm. surrounded by a place of calm, a place of curiosity, a place of flow and ease. Mm -hmm. That's where the magic comes in. Yes. And I also want to acknowledge too, your, your plant, you have a very yeah. big plant there and you have one behind do epic shit too, which grounds that right. Yes. Those energies. Yeah, yep, absolutely. That's the magic. Okay. You already, you just brought us into one of the questions that I'm asking everybody. So let's dig in deeper into that is how do you create a safe and open and inclusive and what other word you want to insert into their space for yourself and for others? Mm, I love this question. Um, I think the biggest thing that I do is twofold is I listen and I learn. Um, and I check my ego. Um, I, I only experience this life through my experience, through my lens, and it's the same for everybody else. And so allowing other people their experiences is deeply important to me and for me to understand what those experiences are and how to make a space inviting, inclusive, safe starts with being able to listen and to learn. Mm -hmm. um, I ask questions when it feels appropriate. Um, I ask for feedback. I am, I humble myself when somebody calls me in or calls me out. I use that as a learning opportunity. Um, I want to know, I want to know how my showing up in the world and how other people showing up in the world impacts the others that are involved. So that's really where it starts with for me. Mm, I love that. And so when you get these calling in and calling out, as you said, and you know, you're saying it with such grace right now, but I know like we're well, human, it's painful. <laughs> right? It's we're human. So what are some, what are some practices or, or things that you do when you get those pangs of mm. the pain dealing with your own emotional landscape that comes up? Yeah, absolutely. And it is painful. Oof. Nobody ever wants to be called in or out, man. It is 
or be the one who's calling someone else in or out. It is painful. It is uncomfortable. Um, A lot of that comes from breath for me um, Mm -hmm. and being really aware of what my emotions are and what those thoughts that are tied to those emotions are. So if I notice that I start to tense up uh, or get, you know, a lump in my throat or a lump in my stomach, I check the thought very often. It's a defensive thought. It's, it's, well, why would you assume did it? Right. And it's like, you want to go down that route. So that's an, that's an invitation for myself to breathe mm-hmm. and to say, okay, that's their experience. What can we learn here? So, because I also don't want to give away my power, right? There's that balance of, I want to learn what their experience is. I don't immediately jump to, I'm sorry, I was wrong. I want to ask questions, but first I have to check in with myself and I have to connect that feeling to the thought. Because if I, if I just go with the feeling, I'm a very emotional person and (laughs) It could be a disaster and it has been in the past. If I just go with the thoughts, it's the same thing, right? I get stuck in those thoughts. So it's it's becoming very aware of what's happening inside of me um, and being okay with making a mistake. I, I absolutely will get defensive. I absolutely will, right? It's like that happens because I react so quickly. And over time, that's not my default anymore, but it's, mm-hmm it comes through practice of being aware of what's happening inside. Yeah. I kind of want to dig into this because you're the second person today. I was saying, I don't necessarily just say I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. And I agree with you, but I want to explore this with you if you don't mind, because you're the second person who said this today. I was like, okay, there's something we need to dig into this because that's what we usually hear is, okay, if you do something wrong, then you've got to hold yourself accountable and say, I'm sorry. But what 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 drives you to say taking that pause before you automatically say I'm sorry? Um, part of it is wanting to know what I could possibly be saying sorry for. Okay. So I partially as women, we have a tendency, and living in Canada, we have a tendency <laughs> to say sorry for a lot of things without actually knowing what right. we're sorry for, and so it's not fully authentic. It's because we're, we're saying sorry to smooth something over mm-hmm. versus really apologizing with the acknowledgement of, Oh yeah, I messed that up. Right. I made a mistake. Once I'm aware of the mistake that I make, I can either choose to apologize because I genuinely feel like, Oh, that is a mistake worthy of an apology, or I can acknowledge the mistake without an apology which that sometimes where I feel justified in making the mistake, right? We feel justified in our mistakes. This is something people don't talk about either mm-hmm. is yeah, I made a mistake and I would make that mistake again. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, if I'm pissed and I feel like I was being attacked, I would probably make that same mistake again. Now I have new information yeah, and I appreciate that in that moment with the information that I had, right? Okay. Thank you. Thank you for teaching me something. I appreciate that. Yeah. So giving thanks versus saying, I'm sorry, can actually be equally as powerful and sometimes even more powerful. Yes. Oh, thank you for that. I received that fully. And that sort of comes back down to where we started with the words, right? Mm -hmm. Of the claiming of the words and embodying the words, because we do live in a world where like, I think for so many years, Um, when I was just living on the surface to a certain extent and didn't want to deal about how unhappy I was, you, you know, everybody does it. Hey, how are you? I'd be, I'm good. I'm fine. Right. Like I'd have that same recording response. And I know so many of us do that, but it's, it's actually like what you spoke into is like taking that pause and saying, am I sorry about that? Like, am I, how am I feeling and digging into the, the depth of what I'm about to actually say with my words? Yeah. Oh man, the I'm fine. I still catch myself saying that sometimes. And I'm like, no, don't say that if it's not true. No, I don't have to lay everything on the line, but right. You can honestly be say something else. Yeah. Right. Like, Ooh, it's a little tough right now. I don't have to say why. Yeah. I I found myself recently because I'm, you know, checking in with so many of you right now where I ask 
Yeah. And then I ask again Mm, and I'm realizing because we're doing, we're both doing it to a certain extent of like, Hey, how are you? Like I'm saying, I'm saying, Hey, how are you as my recording? (laughs) Yeah. They're responding. And then we center a little bit together and feel our energy. I'm like, okay, so really, how are you doing today? And it's like more genuine. So it's, I just started witnessing that in myself. Yeah. It's so cool when you have conversations with so many people in a short period of time and you're asking the same questions or using the same format mm-hmm. and how nuanced you can get Yeah, right? with the language, but also with the energy, with being able to kind of play in there a little bit more. It's for me, it's all about experimenting um, yeah. anyway, like, okay, what are we going to try today? Like, how's yeah. that going to work? Yeah. I I mean, I hope that people who are listening to this and I don't know where you will be in the flow of things, but while they, when they land here, I hope that they've recognized that yes, I'm asking, asking like threads of similar questions, Mm -hmm. but always different. It's not the, these are the three bullet points we're going to get to today because what you just said, it's the nuances, it's picking up on your energy and your being in your space, like I'm holding the space, but we're also co-creating this experience together. And that's the alchemy, right? Like I might have an agenda, you might have an agenda, but it's going to change completely when we enter in. Yeah. So cool. It's so cool. And having that, um, I think it's when we stop having that expectation Mm-hmm. of what we want. So I know I do a lot of interviews and um while they are they're not formatted, but they do have similar threads, right? Mm-hmm. I want to make sure that I get certain information from every every person that I talk to. Questions are going to be asked differently in a different order. Mm-hmm. Um and you know, some questions don't get asked at all and some questions get asked multiple ways in the same conversation. Um but it is it's about not having that expectation, mm-hmm. right? It's allowing yourself some openness and to go back to right, the whole purpose of the summit is how like embodied leadership, mm-hmm. if we can allow ourselves to be a little bit more open to um, check where we are with our expectations, like what is it that we really, you know, whether it's around time or resources, right? Money, um, energy, what people are, 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 um, providing for you and the services that they're providing, the products they're providing. If we can relax our expectations a little bit, and I'm not saying like, don't have any, but Mm -hmm. just to relax them and to allow for humanity to come through. Mm -hmm. Like what an amazing opportunity you have as a leader to, for your, for your organization, for your clients, for whoever it is that you're leading for your community. So I think that that part of openness and expectation that you brought up just in these conversations plays a role in leadership as well. Yeah. I love that. And when you were just speaking into it, I'm, I'm picturing the leader creating a structure, right? Where the work quote unquote is being done, but then I'm seeing all of these people entering in who are, you know, this person is leading essentially, but bringing in all of their own elements, their own sparks and, you know, decorating it in a sense in their own way. So each, each room in the collective organization, like the space that they're creating is truly, it's truly a co-creative experience. Yes. Yeah. Wouldn't that be beautiful? It is. It is beautiful. We're doing it here right now, Kim. We are. We are. Absolutely. Well, and I think about the leaders that I work with and their organizations and and whether it is with their staff or with their clients or in their communities, they are taking that their spark back into mm-hmm. those communities and, and being more aware of everybody else's individual spark. And I know we've talked about sparks before as well, yeah. but it's right. It is. It's those, it's the million points of light. And we as leaders get to ignite those, those points of light. Um, we get to, but we don't, we're not manually going around and like, just imagine somebody with an old, yeah. old timey lighter. Like I haven't seen a lighter in forever, but like right? <laughs> lighters out in the world. Um, that's not how we ignite the spark. We ignite the spark by shining our own light. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When you said that, I felt like everybody just immediately had their own their own lighter, right? And like they're collectively turning it on. Yeah. 
Yeah, exactly. Oh, I love that. So I'm curious to know, um, what are some of your own, your own go-to centering if you have a daily ritual or if it's something that you do, you know, at some point during the day, if you feel triggered in yeah. those spaces, whatever it is. Yeah. Yeah. So my daily practice generally involves movement, meditation, and some sort of reflection. Usually that's journaling, but like I went several years without journaling and I was still reflecting every day. Um, mm-hmm. I just find ways to, to do it. Um, during the day. And that, that really is kind of my foundational baseline. And I know when I fall off that wagon, um, I feel it like I, I feel it. And it used to, I used to get mad at myself if I didn't do it. And I realized, no, no, you're not doing it now, but you know, the tools and the tools are there and you can pick them up anytime you need them. And lo and behold, it's true, right? Those are always there. So that's my foundational. That's my baseline. Throughout the day, if there is, if there is a trigger, if I'm feeling, um, you know, my energy being scattered, if I'm feeling, uh, particularly, um, frustrated, overwhelmed, angry, any of those that come up, I'm trying to think of what comes up on a somewhat regular basis. Those would be the, the big ones. Um, I, my desk is filled with crystals. Um, and so I'll just, I will pull the one close to me. Um, that, that I'm feeling that I need the energy at that moment. I will close my eyes. I will go back to my breath. I will stand up because again, movement, right. Um, I may not take the time to go do something more elaborate, like even walk around the block or something like that. If it, in the moment I need to just do something, I have been known to be on calls and it will get heated and I will sit here with my selenite and I will just hold on to it and just be like, yep. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because for me, that's what regrounds me. I am very in tune with crystals and like, I can feel their energy. Um, mm-hmm. and it does, I'm on a second story and I'm above a garage. So I have no ground directly underneath me. Yeah. So feeling grounded, feeling connected to the earth and then feeling connected to my body are the two things that are in the moment really help me. Um, get back to myself. I, oh, I will say the other thing that I do in the mornings for myself is um, I do pull an Oracle card each morning for myself. Um, and that just kind of sets my tone for the day. And mm-hmm. I just, sit, it just sits there and I'm like, yep, that's just a good reminder that I am connected to more than myself. Mm, I love that. Well, side note, do you know about the alchemist card deck by Kim Kranz? I, like, I, I figured you did. I figured you did fellow alchemist. Yes. <laughs> can you, cause this is great. Cause nobody has brought in the crystals. Can you speak into just maybe one or two that, and, and tell us a little bit about the elements of nobody um, has used crystals before and what they might be helpful for. Like you just said, selenite. Yeah. Yeah. So I will do the best that I can. Um, the person who taught me about crystals said, don't read the books, feel the crystal and feel what energy you get from that crystal. So, so crystals sometimes work differently for me than for what you would see if you like Googled it or or got a book on it. Um, but I will do the best that I can. So yeah. So like, this is what is a selenite wand. Um, and you can use it to actually wand your energy or comb. I use it to comb my energy very often. Um, I like wands because I like the shape, quite frankly. Um, selenite is like the great recharger. Um, selenite is um, a crystal that if set with other crystals, it will recharge everything. Um, it also does the same for yourself. So it, if you imagine, if you have ever done guided visualization and you are asked to like imagine white light coming through your body, um, that's what selenite happens when I hold selenite. Um, I have this amazing one that's about this big. It's like an oval. It's it's in my bedroom. And when I first held that, I felt like I was pulled into um, like a crystal cloud um, mm. or like a really sparkly cloud. And so I hold that when I'm really like, my energy is just janky and all over the place, or I'm really angry or really triggered. If I hold that, it puts me into this little cocoon, Mm -hmm. which then allows me to breathe more easily and again, reconnect to myself. So selenite is cool that way. Um, The other one that I play with a lot, she's really big and beautiful is um, this. Oh, that's beautiful. Isn't she beautiful? So she is- tangerine for people- Yes. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So she's a big, um, round ball of, um, she's actually orange selenite. 
So um, the reason why, and, you know, I went in, I knew I wanted something orange. I was feeling definitely the need for something orange. Um, Orange is connected to our, what is our sacral um, center, our sacral chakra. And so um, this one for me, I will, and I was actually holding it when we first got on the call. Um, It has the same benefits as selenite in terms of clearing, but the orange is, um, it's kind of a little bit fiery without being over the top. It's not a red. Um, but it also has the energy of creativity. Um, it's our, it's our sacral center. So there's a lot of vitality there. Is that the right? Well, vitality, vitality, vivaciousness and vitality. Yeah, you blended them together. It's cool. We were all about words this episode. (laughs) You made made a new one. I made a new one. Um, so I hold on to her a lot, um, when I'm creating. So she sits here. So when I'm creating content, I will tune into her and she kind of allows me to calm down and allows, and she's a her, I don't know why, but, um, she allows me to just be present with what I'm creating. And because of the selenite properties, it also clears out the noise that I might be hearing. So those are a couple of the ones that I have on my desk. Oh, I want to, I don't have an orange selenite, so I'm going to go get one. She's pretty awesome. That's amazing. Yes. Yes. I love that. Thank you for sharing that. I appreciate yeah, it. So while we're starting to come to a close, um, is there anywhere else you want to go or emphasize um, from our talk today? I think just to circle back to this idea of um, finding yourself and being, again, no expectations and being open because yourself is going to change. And I was true to myself when I was in theater and when I was in law and right. And when I was in the nonprofit sector, I I was true to who I was then. Um, We're always transforming. We're always adapting and growing and learning and allowing ourselves the space to not be stagnant with who we are um, as individuals. And then as leaders, allowing ourselves to grow into new knowledge and new experiences is what is going to help us usher in this new energy that we're all feeling, right? And Mm -hmm. it's going to help us create the future, this next part of our journey. And then that will change again. And that's fine. We'll not be here for that one, but like- Not in this I don't generation. know. I think our life expectancy is going to like, we might be around for like two. We might, years. although this is, yeah. this energy has been around for several hundred years. So yeah. 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 I know it's, it's cool. Um, okay. Thank you. So how do people be with you more Kim? And do you, if you have a free gift, talk about that. Absolutely. So um, to be with me more, you can head on over to my website. It's kimromaine.com. Um, or you can find me more frequently on LinkedIn and Instagram. Um, on Instagram, I'm the Kim Romaine and on LinkedIn, I'm Kim Romaine. But if you just search my name, you'll probably figure out it's me. <laughs> um, the, um, the free gift that I have is a, it's something that I'm newly birthing. So I'm excited to be sharing it um, with your listeners. And yes, this will be the first time it's birthed out into the world. It is, um, it's a reflection journal for people who want to create social impact with clarity and ease. So it is for both individuals who like this is social impact is their lives and this is what they're doing and this is their business and, and all of that. But it's also for the people who, want to get more involved are frustrated by things that are happening in the world and they just don't know how to take those steps. Um, it's a reflection journal. It's not an everyday kind of like you have to do all the things. You don't even have to follow it linearly, linearly in order. You can work at it um, however it feels good to you, but it gives you clarity and ease for stepping into the world of social impact. Oh, I'm excited to dive into that myself. Thank you. You're welcome. Uh, well, I just want to acknowledge you for being out there doing epic shit, Kim. And like I said, every time I sit with you, I'm learning something. I'm receiving so much like openness and open heartedness and love. And I just, I do feel like we're going to get to meet someday in person and I'm going to give you the biggest hug. <laughs> I can't wait. <laughs> thank you so much. Oh, thank you for having me. I so appreciate it. You're so welcome. <laughs> 
I hope you enjoyed our time with Kim, and I certainly did. I always do when I sit with this beautiful woman, and I'm looking forward to being with her in Mexico March 1st through the 6th, and you can join us too. So if you're interested in joining our Wings Unfurled retreat, we will be in Mexico again March 1st through the 6th, 2024. You can follow the link in our show notes, which is also just going to simply www.thenomadcollective.org, and you can join right there with us in our upcoming retreat, Wings Unfurled. And this is really geared to anyone who is calling in a transformation in your life, but more specifically, we're, we're really speaking into the people who want to make an impact in their world. And this could be in your family, this could be in your business, this could be, you know, in a bigger, in a bigger way, but really committed to bringing that transformation that happens within into your own ecosystem in some way, shape or form. So we're going to have a lot of fun. Like I said, it's in a beautiful location outside of Mexico City there. It's on a huge property with hot mineral springs, waterfalls, lots of places to hike and, you know, explore. (sighs) Tamascal ceremony, movement, deep dive into your own inner world and I am so thrilled that I get to hold this space with Kim uh, for all of you. So go ahead and head over to thenomadcollective.org and follow us there. We will see you in Mexico, my friends. And if you're not unable to join us, go ahead and make sure that you at least subscribe to this podcast, like it, share it, send us hearts, send us a message because we're here to serve you and let us know if there is something else that you want to see. I'm hosting a lot more retreats coming up, supporting other retreat leaders and their retreats. So we'll be also announcing some other amazing locations as well. So if you're interested in coming on a journey to the space in between with me and some other amazing leaders out there, Uh, go ahead and make sure that you subscribe to this podcast or come on over to Nomad and subscribe to our mailing list so you can stay in the know. All right, my dear friends, have a beautiful day.